Bizarre Comics have been scaring readers for years. Is there anyone brave enough to sit down with their creators? This is Discussions with Decapitated Dan. interview and the power records of Frankenstein's monster. Discussions with Decapitated Dan is brought to you by CuriousGoodsAndComics.com. Don't be afraid to lose your head over all the savings. CuriousGoodsAndComics.com where Decapitated Dan gets his books. Are you a comic book creator? Do you write, draw, color, letter, ink, edit, or do your own webcomic? If so, you're eligible to nominate for the Ghastly Awards. Go over to ghastlyawards.com and find the nomination form and nominate for this year's Best in Horror Comics. The Ghastly Awards, honoring excellence in horror comics since 2011. GhastlyAwards.com So welcome everybody to discussions, this week's discussions with Decapitated Dan. See, I'm so off my game because we're doing a part two. I could could not even get the intro right. Joining us for his second week in a row, his his ninth time on the show, Dirk Manning. Yeah, we're rolling ahead. We are. So if you missed it last week, you need to tune in to check out my man thing. And you also need to tune in to listen to Dirk talk about right or wrong. Yes, I talk about the right or wrong book uh, last last, quote unquote last week. Exactly, quote unquote. Actually, what we really mean is five minutes ago. Oh, please, it wasn't even five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I pushed stop on the recording. We started over. We started over. So uh, if they weren't here last week, who are you and what do you do? I am still Derek Manning. I am still the writer and creator of Nightmare World, Tales of Mystery, and Love Stories About Death for Shadowline Comics from Image. Uh, all comics which are available at ShadowlineOnline.com. And I'm also the author of Right or Wrong, A Writer's Guide to Creating Comics, which is exactly what it sounds like. Uh, it, it collects a bunch of the uh, my how-to columns from Newsrama.com. And yes, Right or Wrong is coming back to Newsrama in November. Speaking of Shadowline, Shadowline is definitely something we are here to talk about now because in previews right now, yes. people can check out or they can pre-order uh, Diaz de las Mortes number one. So tell me about this. Um, Riley Rosmo is doing what I very, very respectfully uh, will refer to for the sake of this interview and because a lot of your listeners know who I am, is a reverse nightmare world concept. Um, he reached out to a number of different writers and asked all of them to write a uh, a story for him that centers on the Mexican Day of the Dead. And I was one of the writers that he tapped to do this. And I think we're just doing 12-page stories, I think, is what it is. And, uh, you know, uh, we've joked even on this show about, you know, when you do something with Riley, things like that. And I am just a 
huge, 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 huge fan of L.A. Rosmo. Uh, he has Bedlam coming out with uh, Nick Spencer, I guess, which, which would be out now by the time you guys hear this. He's done Proof. He did Green Wake. Um, just an absolutely amazing, amazing, amazing artist. A- and a guy I've wanted to work with for a long, long, long time. And I've always just been kind of like, you know, uh, people have asked me all the time, when are you going to work with Riley Rosmo? I'm like, oh, you know, I don't even know if he knows how, about who I am and things like that. Well, uh, he, he contacted me to uh, to do a story for uh, this book. And, I mean, I said yes so fast. I mean, it was like my keyboard. <laughs> uh, and, and I'm uh, doing a story for it that is going to be the first issue. Um, the 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 only thing that came in second to my excitement about being offered to um, do a story for the anthology was Riley's reaction to the story itself. Very cool. How excited and how how much he likes the story. When he so, was on the show earlier this month, he did leak this book a little early, but uh-huh. he did not talk about you being on this book. Just so you know that. Okay, well that that's okay. I don't know, if, you know, they, you know. No, we were. It was more. It was more. We weren't sure if we could talk about it yet. Right. Um. But it's been pretty much under wraps. Yes, but now it's November. We could talk the hell out of it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, I, I'm just like I said. I'm. I mean, it, it is such a cool concept. I really don't want to give away what my story is about, past what's in the um, uh, text solicitations. Oh, you know what's in the text solicit. Have you, yeah, read it? have you read it yet? <laughs> I have. I have read the textile station. There was a small grammatical error in the uh, in the title. Title, yeah. which you know, I mean, it was just one of the, you know things happen. You put out a million books a month, and someone's going to just substitute a vowel on accident. I think. And the text- hold on, it's not English to begin with. Let's right, and it's not even English to begin with, you know. But I mean, not to not to be like the ugly American USA. No, USA. no, no, no. Of course not. But there's that that just means there's more room for error yeah and well and and literally it was just for the text solicitation i mean the actual um book is proper obviously i mean the text solicitation is written up separately and you know they they had a loss instead of loss but uh yeah the they they do briefly touch on what my story is out of those three i can tell you the uh my story concerns to quote the text solicitation uh a, mari- a mariachi falls in love with a woman who strongly resembles his lost love. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, and if you've seen the cover, which is just gorgeous, um, the mariachi on the cover is the mariachi from uh, the story Riley and I are doing. Very cool. Yeah, Very so cool. it's like, I, I want that picture. <laughs> sadly, when we are, I will say this, sadly, when we are recording this, they just announced the solicits, so I don't have a diamond order number. And I well no, but I mean you can look in preview. Yeah, it's it, it's, it's under yeah. image, uh, forty pages, four ninety nine, and they're predicting in stores January 9th. Happy New Year, folks! Happy two thousand thirteen, first week of two thousand thirteen. <laughs> you got something new from Dirk Manning, exactly. and uh, and the book's in the Golden Age format, so it's like a bigger book. <gasps> you just made my New Year. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest. I'm one of those guys that does is not as much of a fan of like the oversized books. <gasps> what? But in this case, Riley's art is so beautiful. Obviously, I've seen some of the art for my story and stuff. Okay, now hold on. When okay, so when you say that, 
No, uh, I'm thinking I'm thinking the wrong book. Cowboy Ninja Viking wasn't oversized, was it? Yes, it was. Oh, okay. That and Viking were both oversized. And Viking was oversized. Yeah, I, okay. I'm thinking Viking, but yeah. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. So are we saying that size or are we saying larger? Uh, this is a Golden Age size. Okay. Just making sure. Just just it's, verifying. It's bigger. Uh, it's just gonna be absolutely fantastically gorgeous. I mean, oh my gosh, I'm just. It's melting my brain. Now I do know. I do know the solicit has like ten thousand writers listed so far. Um, can we only expect one from you in this series at the moment, or can you tease us by saying maybe they're not? I will at least have one. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness! Everybody, go pre-order this. We do have another anthology that you're a part of to talk about. Yes. So set this one up. What do you got for us? Oh, uh, actually, uh, by the time this comes out, uh, my first comic uh, story for Xenoscope is in the Grim Fairy Tales 2012 Halloween special. Um, I actually got to write the origin of Jack the Lantern, which is uh, pretty cool. Uh, I've been friends with Raven Gregory for a long, long, long time, and we've been kind of, you know, I, I'll use the word, this term jokingly, courting each other about working together and you know, Ravens wanted to bring me over to work on some Xenoscope, and I and I was totally cool about the idea of working with Raven on something. Uh, it finally came together with uh, the Halloween special. It's a short story in there, I think seven pages. Um, it's real cool, man. Uh, it, it was a fun story to write. Uh, it's a uh, it's a horror story, obviously. <laughs> Anyone that's familiar with my horror work, I think, will be right at home with it. And uh, I had a lot of fun with it, and I, I look forward, to, and, and Raven knows this, I, I don't chase work-for-hire gigs. Um, like I said last week, you know, I have over 600 pages of creator-owned stuff to my name. I'm not a guy that chases work-for-hire stuff. But I like Raven, and, uh, and, and Xenoscope's putting out some really uh, solid books right now, you know. Um, and... and you know, I, I if if people dig the story, you know, I mean, some of the reviews have already come in, and I've been very positive about the Jack the Lantern story. Uh, I would definitely encourage people to uh, make your voices heard. But uh, so we'll see what comes from that. But it was real fun. Uh, I really encourage people. You know, the Dirk Manning completists or whatever. <laughs> All three of you, uh, <laughs> mom, mom, and uh, <laughs> mom, Uncle Jimmy, and Jenny. Thank you. Right. Exactly. Thank you. Um, Notice how uh, Dan didn't even list himself in that. No. <laughs> I, I get enough of you on my show. Um, I would uh, highly um, encourage people to check it out. It's just a real nice anthology. Raven Gregory has stories in there. Pat Shand has stories in there. And uh, it's good stuff, man. I mean, it was just real fun, quick and dirty little Irish horror story about a guy who kills people and... Uh, puts candles in the uh, carves up their heads and puts candles in them. Did you now I only know this because it was part of our Halloween trivia on uh Tales from the Water Cooler was that Jack o' Lantern uh or Jack, the original Jack, his curse was that he tricked the devil so he had to walk the earth forever. Yes. Do you kind of touch base on that? Oh yes. Okay. Now that's all we're going to do for a teaser just so everyone knows. Yeah, I mean obviously it's not the devil devil, it's the dark one. That's from the Xenoscope universe. And this story definitely ties into the whole Xenoscope uh, mythology. Very cool. Very cool. But it's, our, it's our take on it, and it's dark, and it's pretty twisted, and it's pretty fun. 
Oh. Now we had we had touch base in the first interview on something that we're going to spend the last three four minutes on here. Okay, which is uh, you've just done four shows in a row. Yeah, I did. Well, okay, technically, technically three when we're recording this, but well, three when you're recording this. I'll have done four shows in six weeks, which is uh, a lot. I did an Ohio tour. Um, I did Cincinnati Comic Expo. I did Wizard World Ohio and Columbus, and I did a horror show called a great horror show called Cinema Wasteland in Cleveland. Then I think it's been two weeks off, and then uh, I'll have uh, well, by the time this comes out, I'll have done Detroit Fanfare in you know Detroit or Detroit. So uh, yeah, it's it's it, it was pretty grueling. <laughs> I, I'm kind of a con warrior. I go out there and I represent my books and I represent Shadowline as a whole for Jim Valentino. Um, but I'll tell you what, man, three shows, three, three day shows in three straight weekends. Like go, okay. And then doing the day job thing, um, all week, literally it was like, uh, I worked 28 days straight without a day off, uh, which I'm not complaining. I mean, we all work. I get that. But, uh, Man, long days. Sure. Long, it, it was a month. It was like a month straight with literally no respite, no reprieve. I was either at work, at a show, or or driving, <laughs> you know, driving around or doing whatever I had to do. You know, so right, right. Um, well, I guess one one thing I'm kind of curious about was, in in terms of horror, did you get to check out any of the Swamp Thing stuff at Cincinnati? Absolutely, I did. Uh, it was so cool. I got to meet Rick Beach, Steve Bissett. Uh, John Tottlebin. Um, I've been friends with Bissett, at least in an online capacity for a while, through the glory of the Facebook, and talked to him a lot. Got to talk to Rick Beach, who's been a, a real hero of mine for a long time. Uh, I think Rick Beach is one of the most underappreciated writers and artists in comicdom. Um, just a fascinating guy, a fantastic artist, a great writer, just a wonderful human being. So I got to meet him and be the blubbering little fanboy. <laughs> got to meet Tottlebin as well. Um, and, uh, it was just, just, uh, oh my gosh, I'm so blanking out. Who's the fourth guy? Um, I'm looking at him. I see him in my eyes right now and I'm like the worst person. I, I can't help you here because you've said the three that I can remember off the top of my head too. Everyone <laughs> is screaming at me across the interweb. <laughs> like it was, I'm going to have to Google it now because this is horrible, but, but he was also very cool. And I got to meet everybody, uh, got to go to the actual swamp thing, uh, reunion panel. Uh, let's see, Cincinnati. Hey, I'll look it up. You you tell us yeah. about the show. But uh, yeah, it it was uh, um, it was just a really cool show, man. Uh, and the panel was fantastic. There was a bunch of old friends uh, getting back together and uh, and talking. They did this panel that I mean, I wish I could have videotaped the whole thing. Oh, uh, apparently, if you uh, look around online, it's, comic uh, related has has it videotaped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Thomas Yeats. Oh my God, I can't believe I just did that. Uh, but yeah, right. it's on the YouTube <laughs> stuff as well. Um, just uh, and Dave Akins, who was a real great guy, moderated it, and uh, it, it just just so cool. Toddlebin, you know, his vision is. Um, not as good as it once was, but uh, so he actually might get into writing more, which was really cool to hear. Uh, it was just cool to hear these guys jam on how much they actually were working in unison with Alan Moore on all the um, 
on the Swamp Thing stuff, you know, like Nuke Face was basically Tottleman's kind of uh, initiative to do that and things like that. And it was just cool, man. I mean, to see those four guys together was just a really, really, it was just a really cool, it was a cool thing, man. I mean, it, I, I don't know what, how, how else to get into it without sounding like a, a blathering. <laughs> no, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. Let's, let's move on to, uh, to Cinema Wasteland because you went back to another horror show. So yeah. what can you, what can you tell us about that? How, how did it go as a comic book guy in a horror show? Last year I went to um, Hound and I went to Cinema Wasteland. Um, and uh, I didn't do Horror Hound this year, just scheduling conflicts, and, and so I wouldn't die because I had so many shows back to back to back. But I did Cinema Wasteland again, and just, oh, my God, what a great show. Um, there's actually a several-year waiting list to get into this show because once you go to the show, you're family. They bring you in every time until you basically cancel out. And then they bring in someone else instead that would kind of fill a, a, a niche there. So I was on the waiting list to get into the show about four years before I got in last year for the first time. And uh, just a fantastic show. Um, it's one of those shows where last year a lot of people were interested, but they I think they already had their money pre-spent, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. This yep. year I was on their list of people to buy stuff from. Nice. And, uh, oh, my gosh. I mean, I just sold a ton of books. I actually sold out of, totally sold out of Nightmare World, the trade paperbacks, by the time I got to uh, Cinema Wasteland on Sunday. Uh, and any convention is weird because, like, the first two hours on any day, I usually want to kill myself because I'm like, because everyone's, you know, looking around. People are going to get the stuff they already know they want. And, like, one or two people or three or four people or whatever or five people come see me, and there's just... <laughs> Why am I doing this to myself? You know, yeah, like you know, like put it in my mouth or something. But then things really picked up, uh, and it's the same for any show. You know, it doesn't matter what show it is, but but people were just really into it. Uh, when you do horror shows, it's a little bit different because there's some people that are like, "Oh, is this what they call a graphic novel?" And there's some people that are like, "Holy crap, dude, horror comics!" and just lose their mind. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, and, and you know, Shadowline puts out really nice, you know, I mean, image, you know, Shadowline puts out really nice trade paperbacks. We had like Green Wake, we had Nightmare World. Okay, so you weren't just uh, you at at the horror show. You were doing the whole Shadowline, not just your stuff. I represent Shadowline at every show I go. Okay, okay. Uh, so yeah, so I had you know the books out, a uh, bunch of the Shadowline books as well as the Nightmare World stuff. Um, Obviously, because I'm the one there. I mean, I push everything equally, but people really, at a horror show, people really jammed on Nightmare World, especially. And I mean, and when they started moving, man, they were moving hand over fist. You know, people were buying them to read that night and coming back and like, you know, wigging out. They're like, oh my God, that's the best thing ever. And I'm like, <laughs> so. Um, nice. Very was, nice. I'm really looking forward to going back and having new comic material for next October for Wasteland. They do that show in Cleveland twice a year. Um, twice a year. They do it twice a year. They do October and April. Okay. Uh, I'll be doing it again next October. I talked to him and I said, listen, I want my spot. I said, but just give me another year to get another book out. <laughs> you know? Right, right, right. You know, so it, it was a real cool show. It was a real positive, uh, uh, positive thing. Very cool. Very cool. Um, we kind of touched based on it on the last last episode but we'll we'll wrap it up with uh just where people can check you out and if you're doing anything where they can come see you in person oh uh, yeah you know i'm on uh Dirk Mang's on facebook it's on uh you find me on twitter 
Um, you'll be able to find me at DirkManning.com. I'm actually launching a real website at long last. I'm taking the initiative to do that, which seems ironic. I just haven't had a personal website. So I'm taking the plunge on that. I've been kind of chipping away at doing that. I know, me, the Luddite. <laughs> it's hard to get it done on my typewriter, but I'm finding a way. <laughs> type scan. No, wait, type fax. How did that get online? <laughs> gong, gong, gong. <laughs> um, and uh, so I've got that going on. Uh, Convention-wise, I'm going to be doing a lot of like smaller, uh, after Detroit Fanfare, which in your time has already happened, I'm going to be doing a lot of smaller signings at bookstores, comic shops, if anybody, you know, to promote right or wrong, to let people know, you know, basically do little seminars, things like that. If people want to find out about creating comics, you know, come out and just do like a signing out at these different shows for a day. But then after that, it's going to be Dan Con and C2E2 will be my next big shows to start the next convention season. Very cool. Very cool. Dirk, seriously, thank you for uh, coming on and doing the past two, the two episodes and we'll have you back in 13 more. That, sir, sounds like a plan. Always a pleasure. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Power Records presents The Monster of Frankenstein. A solitary figure climbed higher and higher. Finally, his legs grew weary, and he sought refuge in a cave. There, Victor Frankenstein began to search his mind for an answer to a terrifying problem. How had his experiment for the betterment of all mankind gone awry? Why? He had created a monster, and his creation had to be destroyed. But as he sat, he failed to notice another sinister presence at the mouth of the cave, until it was too late, far too late. You! Yes, and for your crime against nature, Victor Frankenstein, you must die. No! Animals fear fire, and so should you. If only I can reach my gun! First you burn me. Then you shoot me! Good lord! The bullet barely faced him! Don't! Please! Let me explain! Explain? How will you explain, Frankenstein? Look at me, at what I am. No! There will be no explanation. Save for mine! And when I have finished, you will pay with your life! But for us, there must be an explanation of how all this came to be. How did Victor Frankenstein come to create the monster who now terrified him? He came from a wealthy family, and they were all there to bid him farewell. His fiancée, Elizabeth, his younger brother, William, his father, and his best friend, Clerval. I shall miss you, dearest Elizabeth. Take care and Godspeed. Study hard, dear Victor. Gentlemen, the coach is packed and ready. And so the aspiring young scientist left for the University of Geneva. Victor will do well if his ambition doesn't block his path. Frankenstein did well indeed. Your work is outstanding, my boy. And today we begin the dissection of human cadavers. With each lesson, Frankenstein became more and more impatient to delve ever deeper into the mysteries of the human body. By the end of his third year, he was prepared to embark upon the darkest voyage into the unknown in the history of mankind. Any place that harbored an undamaged corpse became the haunt of a possessed Victor Frankenstein. Night after night, he dragged his grisly loot to his secluded laboratory, until at last his project neared completion. I've worked nearly six months, but if I succeed, as I know I must, I will have created human life from that which was dead and bridge the final gap which leads to immortality. There, the final injection. Now, I can only wait and wait and wait. It's 
not moving, not even breathing. Live, blast you, live! Frankenstein stared at the monster's lifeless form. Then, overcome with disappointment, he turned back to his notes. My God, it's alive! various parts of the dead. I'll be famous. I'll... Wait. It's rising. Walking toward me. Staring at me. Those eyes. Those horrible, glowing yellow eyes. Filled with hatred. Hatred of me. No. Stay away. I created you. Do you hear? You must obey me. But the creature would not obey. It continued to advance on its creator until in total panic Frankenstein fled in mortal fear of the thing he himself had created. Trembling, the exhausted doctor fell into a deep, fitful sleep. Hours later, sensing an unseen presence, he bolted upright to see the creature hovering menacingly over his bed. Paralyzed with fright, Frankenstein watched his creation as it gestured toward him, and he knew this monstrosity must be destroyed. Desperate, the doctor lashed out. Get away from me! You hear? Keep back! But the velocity of the chair striking the creature's rock-hard skin was like a matchstick striking a boulder. And far more serious, Frankenstein had established himself as the creature's enemy. Nothing phases the creature. Have to get away! Escape! And so Frankenstein ran for his life. He fled into the rain-swept darkness, his fear too great to allow him to stop. But finally the body overcame the mind, and he collapsed on the cold, wet earth. As dawn stole across the lawn where he rested... Victor, in heaven's name, what are you doing here? Open your eyes, man. Clerval, thank God you're here. Clerval took his delirious friend to his own hotel room, where he hovered between life and death for many weeks. It has been a long ordeal, Victor, but the crisis has passed. Therefore, much as it grieves me, my first words to you must be those of greatest sorrow. My friend, your younger brother, William... He's been murdered, and your father's young ward, Justine Moritz, has been charged. William, dead? And poor Justine? Good Lord, I must go to father. The journey back to Geneva was long and painful for Victor Frankenstein. Could the monster, and not poor Justine, have murdered William in an act of revenge? Even in the arms of his beloved Elizabeth, he found it impossible to erase the creature from his thoughts. I can't believe Justine guilty. It is difficult for all of us, Victor. But the facts. She was found clutching William's pendant only a few feet from where he was murdered. Tell me, Father, is it not possible the murderer placed the pendant in Justine's grasp while she slept? What sort of being could commit so heinous a crime than blame it on an innocent girl? And even as his father asked the question, Frankenstein knew the answer. I knew it! Was certain of it! And now my most terrible suspicions are confirmed. The creature lives and seeks revenge! I must stop him. I must. What is it, Victor? Why did you bolt from the room? I saw someone peering in the window. But these tracks show that he got away. When when will Justine be hanged, Father? Tomorrow, I believe. There's no hope for her. And so Justine Moritz was hanged. Died at the age of 21 for a crime she did not commit before the glazed eyes of a tortured Victor Frankenstein. The monster had laid his trap perfectly and two innocent people now lay dead. The next morning, Frankenstein packed and departed into the mountains, in hope that the jagged peaks would grant him refuge from the horrors of the world below. 
But the very monster he dreaded, having followed him, now confronted Victor Frankenstein in his mountain refuge. Listen to me, Victor Frankenstein. You constructed my body piece by piece, created me against all the laws of God and man, gave me life only no! to... No! No! Desert me, leave me alone and helpless. Please believe me. I didn't know what I was doing when I created you. But you did create me, and survive I did. For days I wandered through the dense forests. It would have been easy for me to collapse and die, but I refused. Finally, on the tenth day, fate intervened. A huge bear came out of a thicket toward me. Weak with hunger, but strong with the desire to live, I fought him. And in the end, it was I who survived. Yes, I survived. Finally, food. It gave me the strength I needed. Deeper and deeper into the mountains I trudged. The loneliness became far more difficult to bear than the mere pangs of hunger. Then one day, I came upon a small cottage in the clearing, and I prayed it would be my salvation. For several days, I hid at the edge of the forest and watched its inhabitants. A blind old man and his daughter and son-in-law. I watched, observed, and learned... The three people became my friends, though of course they did not know of my presence. Oh, how I yearned to go to them, to tell them I was their friend. But it was impossible. I remained hidden, watching and listening, gradually beginning to learn the basics of their language. The winter passed slowly, but my learning process continued. Under cover of darkness, I did chores for them. I don't understand, Father. Who would do this for us, and why? Such good fortune is not for us to question, my son. Finally, as the snows began to melt, I watched the couple bid the old man farewell. We will return within a week, Father. Will you be all right here, alone? But of course, my dear. Have a good trip, and do not worry about me. This was the opportunity I'd waited for. The chance to make a friend. The old man was blind. I argued with myself, so he'd have no reason to fear me. But as I struggled to make a fateful decision, fate herself, in the form of a starving, salivating wolf, made my decision for me. Without the slightest hesitation, I bolted from my shelter and ran toward the house. The snarling beast crashed through the window. I own such anguish. Only a few yards away, a frail, sightless old man was fighting for his very life. And if he lost, then so would I. When I reached the cabin door, I discovered the door was locked. Summoning all the strength that remained within me, I prepared for one final assault. The door gave way. I rushed toward the bloodthirsty creature and pulled it from my friend, snapping its wretched neck in the same swift motion. I turned to the moaning, bleeding old man and prayed that his life would be spared. For three days I sat vigil with him, treating his wounds and begging him to live. Then, miraculously, on the fourth day, he spoke. Who are you? I have sensed your presence, noticed your kindness to me. But up to now I've been too weak to say thank you. My eyes filled with tears of gladness as the old man talked. At last I had made a friend, at least until the others returned. You 
kind. The next two days were the happiest of my miserable life. We talked. We became close. But I knew it was too good to last. Tomorrow, my family will arrive. And I can hardly wait for them to meet you, my friend. I froze at the very thought of their return. Early the next morning, they came. By the saints! What sort of thing is that? In the cottage with your father. Stay here, my love, and pray that I am not too late to save him. Get away from him! He's just a blind old man! No! Wait! You do not understand. I am... There was no reasoning with him. His eyes were glazed with disgust and hatred as he advanced on me with the axe. I wanted to scream out, to explain to them, but there was no time. Kill it! In God's name, someone help us kill it! I fled, her words ringing in my ears as I ran into the forest. Kill it! Kill it! Not him, but it! Once more I was alone, totally alone, and in that brief instant I learned the meaning of the word hate. Yes, hate, Victor Frankenstein. And in that moment of my greatest despair, it was upon you that I swore vengeance. You, who are the cause of all my pain and grief, of all my loneliness. At last I found you, Frankenstein, and now you die. Go ahead, kill me. I deserve no better fate. You want to die? Then I will make you live. Live and suffer as I have. Slowly, almost gently, the monster let his creator slide to the stone floor. Then, as Frankenstein wept uncontrollably, the monster once again spoke. Farewell, Dr. Frankenstein. When you are feeling sorry for yourself, for the grief you have known and will know, remember what I have suffered has been a thousand times greater. It was a shaken Victor Frankenstein who arrived back in Geneva, only to find that the monster's threats were all true. Not only had his best friend Clerval died under mysterious circumstances, but even more grievous news awaited him. Elizabeth's been murdered. And your father, I'm afraid he's dying. And so the old man was. The news of Elizabeth's death had been too much for him. His father, Clerval, Elizabeth, all dead. It was more than the grief-stricken Victor could bear. Shortly after the funeral, he was placed in an asylum for an indefinite period of time. After several months, he gained his release. You have progressed, Victor. I only pray this obsession will not yet destroy you. It will not, Doctor. It will only destroy the thing which nearly destroyed me. And so Victor Frankenstein set forth to find and destroy the monster he had created. Now the lust for revenge was his, and it consumed and possessed him completely. More than a month passed without so much as a trace of his quarry, until finally he saw something move far in the distance. At last the trail had grown warm, his burning lust for revenge pushed him to and beyond the limit where normal men would fall. The end was drawing ever closer. He found footprints, footprints which could only have been left by the monster he sought. A final burst of strength coursed through him. He was close now, closer than he'd ever been. Suddenly, the two adversaries caught sight of one another. The shell of the man who was Victor Frankenstein advanced. Now, cursed beast, revenge will be mine. The air was split by a sharp cracking sound, the sound of an ice break. The deadly gaping jaws had opened wide. In an instant, the monster was engulfed by the icy black waters of the Arctic. Down he plummeted. The end was at hand. In a way, Victor Frankenstein had been cheated of his final satisfaction. 
But perhaps it was only right that such a creature should die at nature's hand, for its very existence had been an affront to her sovereignty. Death did not come easily. He battled her grim assault for as long as his lungs would allow. But in the end, he sucked the freezing salty waters inward, and peace at last was his. (laughs) 